0: What you're about to hear is a portion of this week's Pod Dylan, the full version of which is now available only to FM Plus subscribers. Please enjoy this sample. For just a few dollars a month, FM Plus subscribers get all of our full episodes, bonus episodes, plus full archives from every show in the FM Podcast Network. Subscribing makes all of these great shows possible. You can sign up in Apple Podcasts or at fmpods.com. When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Well, there was this movie I seen one time about a man riding across the desert and it starred Gregory Peck. He was shot down by a hungry kid trying to make a name for himself. The townspeople wanted to crush that kid down and string him up by the neck. This is Pod Dylan, so that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, One Song at a Time, part of the FM Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheelin' Rob Kelly. And joining us this week to talk about Brownsville Girl from 1986's Knocked Out Loaded is fellow Bobcat and author of the book Together Through Life, My Never Ending Tour with Bob Dylan, Matthew Ingate. Hi, Matthew. Hey, Rob. <laughs>
1: Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's really, really uh, exciting to be on here.
0: Thank you. Uh, You know, I, I will say I'm a little ashamed that you and I have been interacting on Twitter just off and on, you know, on Bob Twitter for so long that I think it was like a couple of months ago. I was like, you know what? I should have Matthew on the show again. And then I wrote you and I'm like, wait, I haven't had Matthew on the show the first time. There's sometimes I've done so many shows and I've talked to so many people and that's a great thing. But when I've there are some people that I interact with so kind of regularly and casually on twitter that i just forget that they haven't been on the show before <laughs> yeah. so i felt really bad that it's taken this long so again thank you for for being here
1: no absolutely thank you and uh you know it's nice because it, you know i know that you have uh repeat repeat guests so of course we can obviously talk about more songs in future it's nice to you know first of many hopefully
0: absolutely yeah let's get the first one out of the way here so as i mentioned <laughs> we're going to talk about the epic brownsville girl and boy there is a lot to chew on uh, on that particular song but before we get to all that of course since we just said matthew this is your first time on the show i have to find out how you became a fan of bob and sub question how does one at the ripe old age of like 28 <laughs> choose to write a book about bob dylan
1: well uh yeah i mean it's uh I'm, I'm kind of old now for from when i first got into bob my um my uncle was the uh the one that got me into him and I was trying to work it out earlier on. It would have been 2005, so I must have been 10, I think, at the time. Wow. He got the job and, you know, there was sort of no looking back from then. So, uh, you know, it's, it's been, <laughs> been quite a long time now. Um, my uncle was my source of, of new music for, forever. He but he used to be, he'd play me uh, like a lot of old Muscle Shoals soul stuff um, a lot of stacks or Atlantic soul. Like we had this great eight disc Atlantic. I think it was all the singles maybe. And then I think one day he must've thought, well, okay, well I've given him all this, you know, beautiful sounding stuff. Now let's give him something to think about. And <laughs> he is, uh, you know, this guy, you'll I'll put this on now. And he said to me, I remember it really clearly. He said, you're going to laugh at this voice. You know, I've, I've, I've introduced you to Aretha Franklin, you know, Roberta Flack, all these beautiful singers, but this guy, you'll laugh at the voice, but just l- look past that and listen to what he's saying. And, um he put on uh, bringing it all back home. So the first thing you hear is uh, subterranean homesick blues. Um, <laughs> and I don't remember laughing. I don't think it was funny. I thought, you know, this guy, uh, this guy's saying something I want to hear. You know, I, I think he's uh, a, a brilliant singer. And I think that's something we'll talk about on this song today, even though a lot of it is is spoken. This song mm-hmm. is a great example of what a great singer he actually is. So, yeah, that was kind of my first, my first exposure to, to Bob. And then, like everyone else i did the whole just off the deep end <laughs> consume as much as you can i mean this was probably before i had access to like youtube and things to find all these you know live videos or whatever i remember stumbling across like bootleg dvds from the from the little second hand record shop near us and you know you'd find uh like the letterman performance and you just think H- what have, how have i not seen this before where has this been hiding away and then you find like the world of John Hammond thing, and and just all these these amazing things that sort of lead you off in new directions. Yeah, so I just did the whole go through the whole catalogue, kind of uh, <laughs> bit by bit
0: from there. First of all, we have to compliment your uncle. That he sounds like the coolest cat imaginable.
1: He, absolutely, yeah, he he is great. He um, <laughs> you know, he, he's he's got the best music taste of anyone I know.
0: You know, at ten years old, I was still. A quote to Pat Oswalt Oswald's like Chewbacca's kind of real, right? He's he's a real guy. Like that's where I was at 10 years old. <laughs> I can't imagine having enough sort of mental bandwidth to get into Bob Dylan. That said, for him to give you for him to start you off with subterranean homesick blues is I mean you said it's the whole record, but that's the of course the first song in the record. That that is literally like think I would put on like the top five songs that if someone said to me what one song might get me into bob dylan that would be on near my top of my list especially to a 10 year old because it's so catchy it's funny it's you know like it's it's a, yeah. it's a great song but it's a song that a 10 year old i think could get his hooks into as opposed to saying oh hey let's play uh, not dark yet here how do you think of that yeah. <laughs> yeah. well here's
1: desolation row what do you think of this yeah <laughs> right yeah yeah definitely i think like you say that uh just how upbeat that song is um even if you don't actually take in what he's saying and it is right. hard to sort of pass even now as, as you say as a 28 year old <laughs> sometimes you look at those lines and think well you know i'm not still quite sure what you're getting at there but it does feel good when you're saying it so um yeah, I think that's a good starting point, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's great. He, that's great. What, what's your uncle's name? We should give him a shout out. What's the uncle's name? Well, uh, funny enough, his name is Stephen. Um, but
1: from when I was crawling, I couldn't say his name. Uh, and it was, <laughs> I would say Steve-Up, and he became Bobby from there. So ah! for my whole life, for my whole family, he's actually Bobby. Uh <laughs> <That's so> perfect. <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe that's why he introduced uh the other bobby i guess <laughs>
0: maybe so well shout out to uncle bobby because that just yeah. <laughs> we all could use someone like that in our lives it's just this Absolutely, real yeah. cool cool dude who just introduces you when you're a, a kid just at the right age to all the cool stuff out there so another thing i'll say for
1: him as well we'll, we'll get on to the the film i'm assuming uh that this song is based on the gunfighter mm-hmm. you know with with him as well we watch a lot of old black and white westerns and things so we never got around to the gunfighter, but we got pretty close with uh, with other films from from that era. So, yeah. Cool guy.
0: That sounds awesome, man. Cool. Um, OK, so like I <laughs> said, I have to ask you, like, you know, I I've mentioned on the show before I published a book once about 10 years ago, not on Bob Dylan, on another subject. And just doing that is such a Herculean task. And I was in my 40s when I did that, <laughs> maybe, you know, and I found it exhausting and, and, and times going, why am I even doing this? So how, how does someone at, at the, again, at, at a relatively young age, how do you decide to do that? Cause it's a, it's a huge effort. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I, so I wrote this. It would have been summer 21, I think, uh, when we were all kind of in that limbo, we weren't quite locked down, but we still weren't back to doing everything we used to do. So I had a lot more time. Uh, and I think it started out as a blog post uh, for Dylan's 80th birthday, and you know, there's a lot of writing out there. And I thought, well, you know, I've seen him every year for the last 10 years in concert. Why, why you not? Know, I'll write down kind of what those experiences have meant to me, and and what it's been like growing up as someone who's, who's had him in his life is you know forever, basically. And that got a really positive reaction. I posted that blog on on Twitter, and I think you know there was there was maybe a hundred, couple hundred likes, maybe. And some people said, you know, I'd like to read more of this. Um So from there, I just expanded it out um and sort of, it became, it's not just, it's not like a straight Bob bio. It's probably more in common with those like Paul Williams ones or one more night, Andrew Muir, I think it is.
0: Yeah. Um, those is, Paul Williams books are fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> like, the world yeah, needs but, more
1: books like Paul Williams' books. Absolutely. I, I would just wish he was around to see some of these yeah. more recent shows as yeah. well. It's, um, that is a, it's a real shame. Um, so, yeah, it's more like those, the live stuff. And I've tried to talk about, you know, the venues that he's playing, any history he has with the venues or the cities that he's in. So it's kind of travelogue, live performance uh, mashup kind of thing, really. And, yeah, so it starts, I think, first from in 2011 is when it starts off. And then it goes up to we went out to the first shows back from lockdown at the Beacon um, in twenty nine twenty twenty one, 2021, sorry. So it spans that full full period. Which I don't think anyone else has touched on, so it was quite nice that you know that there was that ten years of, of, of fresh material to write about, really.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, finding you know an unexplored area of Bob Dylan fandom is pretty hard. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, well done. So go. So I mean, I always ask, have you seen him? Have you seen Bob live? Obviously, you just answered. You've seen him every year for the last ten years. Uh, so now I've seen him every year that he's been touring since twenty
1: eleven um was when i first saw him and then i'll try and catch him somewhere uh whether it's whether it's when he visits england or i mean this year we went to tokyo on a whim to see him um wow. which was just incredible and that the the he started i think he did it was the first time he played not fade away this year and just watching what had been an incredibly reserved but respectful crowd lose their mind at that song when they realized what was coming was was just mm. such a beautiful moment to be there for uh and then i think we're coming out next weekend um to see a few more this year so been real lucky to to see him as much as we have and where we've seen him
0: that's fantastic yeah i mean you know geez a whim to go to tokyo like that's a a hell of a whim (laughs) man well he didn't give us much much uh warning i think the
1: i think it was probably about a month and a half before the shows that they were announced so um so it was just are we gonna go should we go uh and I'd wanted to see him in Tokyo forever. You know, it's it's such a dream to go and I'm like a big Godzilla Pokemon Nintendo fan and stuff. So to so go and see all that kind of stuff in person as well. You know, the, the, the chance to combine all that was, was was too good to turn down really. And I figured we're probably not gonna have too many more Japan tours. <laughs> it's now or never.
0: Probably yeah, probably. I wonder if you were at the same show as my pal Jason MD, who's been on the show a bunch of times, because he lives there and he saw the show where Bob did not not fade away. I don't know if he did more than one show in that area or.
1: Uh, I think there was, I think there was five, four or oh, five. Wow. Nights oh, okay. okay. Um, but I think he played fade away once in Tokyo because the next night we got one of the broke down palaces where he didn't get the whole way through it. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was kind of frustrating because you know, you've got a verse and it's like, Christ, this is incredible. I don't know what this song is. I've never heard this before. And I, I don't know exactly what he's saying. Uh, but, it was stunning for the verse that we got.
0: <laughs> I do wonder sometimes, like if I, if I see him in Philly, is he going to like play a song and I'm not going to have any idea what the song is. And then I'll right? know, because I'll know the next knows. morning when the set list comes yeah. up. I'm like, Oh, it that? <laughs> that song. Okay. Yeah,
1: it's because um, he knows so many songs, doesn't he? That, you know, you can't keep up with the amount of songs that he could potentially pull out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Exactly.
1: And I, and in Philly as well, is he going to do a song that is like city specific for a Philadelphia artist? Yeah. Or would it be something that's got like a film history? Cause that's such an iconic venue, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I have no, idea. I have no idea what he's going to do. Like we're right, you know, we're right across the river from New Jersey. I'm like, is he going to pull out a Bruce Springsteen song? Yeah. Is he going to pull out Bon Jovi? I mean, you never know. <laughs> he's, you know Frank Sinatra, he's been doing a yeah. lot of those anyway. So you never know. So, so what, yeah. I mean, um, we, we, we do need to get to Bransville, but I am fascinated about, about the book. So what, now that it's done and it's, it's out there and it's finished, like, do you, do you want to do another one? Is it, or do you feel like you, this was the thing you wanted to do and it was a specific time and place and you, you sort of scratched that itch and you don't feel like you need to do it again?
1: It's a tricky one because I do feel like, you know, it, it can stand alone. It bookends really nicely with coming out of lockdown and then, you know, closing with the first shows back. I don't think I will do because this one covers ten years. I think to do another one anytime soon would be mm. to, for the sake of it. Uh, maybe it will be the case of you know in, until there are no more tours. That will be the the, the, oh, the final don't say point.
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd put it very uh, diplomatically as well. <laughs> yeah, we're we're all living in denial, us Bob fans. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you got. 10 more years of tour? Probably not, but okay. Especially
1: with this one that's got the end date on it. It's like, what does that mean, Bob? We we need to know. Yeah. What are you doing,
0: Bob? I think that might be the, I think if I ever had a chance to ask him a question, that might be the one I would shoot my shot on. I'd be like, that's not the end, right, Bob? Like, you're just, (laughs) right? Because there's, the the reason you're putting 2024 is because you have another album coming and that's that next tour, right? (laughs) That's what we're doing, right, Bob? So, okay. But then at that point, the security has dragged me away and, yeah, kicking it as Yeah. <laughs> so uh well that again that's fantastic you should be absolutely proud of again just publishing a book. Just that alone putting it together, assembling it, proofreading it, uh all of that is is just a herculean task and so uh that's that's fantastic that you just did it at all. That's great. <laughs>
1: Thank you very much.
0: All right. So let's talk about Brownsville girl. I mean, you mentioned earlier, of course everyone knows the connection to the the Gunfighter, the Gregory Peck film that he is talking about. And so, by the way, I noticed you mentioned on Twitter that you were watching The Gunfighter. Had you not seen it before the last like week or two? I hadn't. No, I I've, I've had it on DVD for
1: uh for years. Um in you know meaning to get around to it, but uh I figured this was the best inspiration to to finally do that. What did you think of it? Yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was it's, fantastic. It's even a great though... movie.
0: It's, it's a really, really, yeah. really good movie, yeah.
1: Like, everyone is just blowing it out of the park with that. That You know, every performance is is what you'd want from it. Uh, and it didn't even hurt that you know what's coming because you've heard this song. Like, mm-hmm. like for the spoilers, Bob, it, but it, it doesn't matter because it's so brilliant as it builds to that finale.
0: Yeah, it is really good. It's got great performances. Uh, the, the, the direct, great direction by Henry King. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's really It's a fairly simplistic story. I mean, it's really all um, almost all like one set, basically. Once he enters yeah. that saloon and the, the second saloon, but like it's just, it's just a terrific and it's very funny. It's, you could see why Bob would really like it. It's a very, very sardonic funny dark humor movie there's there's this great moment where like the young kid is gonna wants to like you know get up all, all, up in the ringo kids business and they're telling him not to do it and he's like i'm gonna go do it and then he leaves and the guys are like well i didn't really like him hanging around much anyway <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's that bit where he's like
1: why don't you all come with me and he's like well you know i've got i've got a wife and kids and uh you know oh my mom my mom needs me to look after her and all this <laughs> Just the first thing they can think of. It's it's um it is funny, and there are so many lines in that movie that you could imagine Bob putting into a song. You know, I know he was doing that around this period. There's so many many things there because they're pretty quick one-liners almost uh, in the dialogue where you think, well, yeah, I can see him picking that up for for later and, and putting it in a song somewhere.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, it's a very quippy western, and not in a yeah. band, not in a discordant way or like oh they wouldn't talk like that like it's they're you know they're all kind of they're all these cowpokes but it's just they there's just a real dark humor to it that i really uh could imagine bob really picked up on and so um i i only saw the film i saw the film decades ago mostly because of the bob dylan connection i knew that what it was and then i rewatched it not that long ago uh, just out of a way, because you know what? I'm like, I haven't seen it in a really long time. Let me rewatch this and then I and then I was like, geez, this is terrific. Like yeah. this is just a really good movie. And so yeah, and it's only as a Bob fan, you only enjoy it that much more knowing you're like you're imagining Bob sitting here watching this. It's like you're know? it watching it
1: with him because he's yeah. so uh, you're like, When when's the bit that he's
0: talking about? <laughs> By the way, <laughs> uh, just to just to kind of manifest things into reality you know i do audio commentaries for blu-rays now if some studio wants to get me and bob together to do an audio commentary for the gunfighter (laughs) i would happily do that for nothing (laughs) just putting it it out there everybody uh um, but okay so why why this song why do you want to take on scale the mountain that is brownsville girl well i mean there's 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 so many songs
1: in his catalogue that, you know, you can, I don't know if, if you're anything like me, but every now and again, I'll get a different fixation with like a Bob song. And then that'll be the one that I, you know, sort of revolve around for a while. Um, and then there are a few that sort of don't have that, you know, I don't dip in and out of them or I don't get obsessed and then leave it behind for a while. But this one is just always there. that I'll, I'll always listen to this one. Uh, and you know you know as well as anyone as well that it's impossible to come up with like a top 10 bob songs because they change all the time <laughs> um but for me this one would always be in that top 10 list for, for for the way it sounds, for the way it's written, for the way he delivers it, I, I think it's just a fun it's one of his I think it's one of his, his best songs. Um and therefore it's
0: probably one of the best songs that anyone's ever ever written. <laughs> right. By the nature by the law of transitive properties. <laughs> it is then in fact one of the best songs ever written. Yeah. Since most Bob songs are better than most anybody else's songs. Exactly, were, yeah. we're here. That's how that works. So yeah. I agree. Um, I remembered, you know, I got Knocked knocked Out Loaded might have been like one of the last of his records that I got back when I was when I was gobbling them all up. And then and I like that record. And there's there's lots of good stuff on it, and there's some not so good stuff on it. But then you get to this. And you're just like, what is this thing? You know, what is this (laughs) 12 minute song? And one of the things that I came from, you know, listening to it again, a bunch of times in preparation for this episode and listening to New Danville Girl. You know, the, the sort of early version of it is that it's there are a lot of Bob Dylan songs that are fun, obviously, and there are a lot of Bob Dylan songs that are funny. He's a funny guy. We all know that. And he's been funny in one way or the other since he's been famous. But there's a very particular form of Bob Dylan in the 80s humor, and I can't quite put my finger on how it's different than the humor that he has shown in later songs and earlier songs. But they, it's very specific. There's something about his 80s humor that to me is just very definable. And this song is just really fun. Like, it's just a really fun, raucous song. It's got, you know, all the grit and all the sorrow and all the stuff about broken relationships and, and all this stuff. But just the way that he's approaching it is just such a kind of like shruggy. What are you going to do? I mean, you know, it's got the line, if there's an original thought out there, I could use it right now. What a great, you know, kind of admitting I'm having a tough time writing great songs. So, ban, if somebody has an idea, now's the time. What
1: what is great about that is that it's just so thrown away as well. It's just right in the middle. You know, it's one of one of, you know, so many lines in this song that would be almost like the, the, the one line you pull out of anyone else's work. Mm hmm. Um, you know, we're going all the way to the wheels fall off and burn. Like there's just so many quotable lines in this that, um, that like you I think that shrugging sort of, yeah, you know, this is happening and he makes it seem so easy in this, that, that, that sort of detachment from it as well, I think is, is a really important point with this song because he's telling all these fantastical things, but you know, it's almost like he doesn't care why he's telling you, he's
0: just telling you to tell you. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I love that, you know, he's introducing the the song, you know, the second verse. Well, the marshal he beat that kid to a bloody pulp as the dire gunfighter lay in the sun and gasp for his last breath. Turn him loose. Let him go. Let him say he outdrew me fair and square. I want him to feel like what are the... I want him to feel like it's hard for me to read, let alone Bob <laughs> sing. I want him to feel what it's like to every moment face his death. And so the right, you've got this great setup. like, okay, here's this guy describing this movie to me, which is, again, that's a, that's a, um, a, a task in itself of describing a yeah. movie plot and making it rhyme, Yeah, you know, like having it like, okay, <laughs> but then he pulls back, well, I keep seeing this stuff and it just comes a rolling in. I love, by the way, Oh, rolling in, yeah. mean, rolling in, oh, rolling <laughs> well, in. It's, it's like going back to his, that early sixties kind of voice, you know, times they are a change in and a kind of
1: countryified. Uh,
0: <laughs> that's great. And, you know, it blows right through me like a ball and chain. You know, I can't believe we've lived so long and are still so far apart. The memory of you keeps calling out to me like a rolling train. OK, now we're in another part where now he's he's having this reflection about a person. Maybe, I guess it could be. It could be something else. But now we've you know, he's kind of doing that uh, Black Diamond Bay thing where he's pulling out. And we're now you yeah. know just pulling out of the story that he's telling, and now it's a guy, and we're okay, now we're sort of following him. I can still see the day you came to me on a painted desert and your buster down for it, and your platform heels. I can never figure out why we chose that particular place to meet, Ah, uh, but you were right, it was perfect as I got in behind the wheel, so I don't I've listened to this song for thirty years now. I still don't exactly know what's going on. <laughs> in this song. Well, I think that's a really, the, the way you split that
1: up there, it, it shows that there's almost like two introductions to this song, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even just from the, the second the, the, the snare hits with the very first shot, recalls to, to, you know, kind of to some extent, like a Rolling Stone was famous with the snare kick, and, you know, you grabs your attention straight off the bat. And then he gives that really bloody outlay of, of the gunfighter. And also what a rewrite, by the way, for the, for the, the words he puts in Gregory Peck's mouth there. Um, want mm-hmm, mm-hmm. him to know what it's like to every moment face his death. Like that is incredible. And then, and then he sets up the, the character that's, you know, not in the movie. So you've got that scene from the film and then the scene of what, you know, in the song, real life, running parallel to each other. It's really interesting the way that it, it acts like a double intro there. Oh, the painted desert, like the, the imagery in that in your busted down Ford and your platform here. It's like, it's not often that he gets so specific with these kind of details that you can really just visualize and see. Uh, it's, you know, it's almost like stage directions and, and, and costuming. Mm-hmm. Like he's talking about this film originally. He's got all this stuff in this song. I mean, this could be, this could be this song. It could be the, the best film you ever made, but it's just a song. It's not a movie. It's, it's got all the ingredients for a film here. I think apart from maybe a discernible plot, you said, you know, we're <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> not entirely sure what's happening, but sometimes the, the vibe is more important, I guess.
0: You know there have been there have been many attempts over the years to make or or half-hearted attempts or or at least you know the the beginnings of attempts to make films of his songs. You know there was a little there was a brief period where they were going to make a movie of Little Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts, and they never really quite go anywhere. And I think part of the reason for that, even though Bob writes so cinematically, and you could imagine you know they feel like boy these would be ripe for turning into and turning in movies that line about in your busted down Ford and your platform heels. Right. The reason this you couldn't make a movie out of this, even though it's the most one of the most cinematic songs he's ever written is every single person imagines a different look to the woman that he's describing. And the minute somebody chooses the woman to play that part, it's not going to work. Cause you're like, well, that's not what I saw in my head, but yeah, you can't, you know,
1: like 99% of the people,
0: <laughs> every, everybody, not even men, every person pictures somebody different. And the minute it's yeah. not, you're like, Oh, why'd the director pick that person? That's not who <laughs> yeah. I saw, you know? So it just doesn't, that's why it works as a song. But like, yeah. I just, it is such a strange thing. Cause we're now off in this, like, okay, this guy's, you know, he's, he's reflecting, that he met with this woman and, and there seems to be again some sort of old West. I mean, they talk about a busted down Ford. So we're at least we're in somewhat of the modern age. We're talking about a car, but again, there seems to be this kind of old West
1: mentality
0: going on because he says, we drove that car all night to San Antonio. We slept near the Alamo. Your skin was so tender and soft way down in Mexico. You went to find a doctor and you never came back. I would have gone after you, but it didn't feel like getting my head get blown off what are we talking about right now? Yeah, it, It's like,
1: he, I mean, didn't feel like it, my head get blown off. It's like, he is caught between still believing he's in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if you use that saloon, uh, like, like, uh, Django, uh, Ringo, sorry. Uh, character, yeah. John Ringo. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, if he thinks he's going to step out of the saloon, the guy across the road is going to blow his head off. But actually, you know, it's, it's in real life. He's got that. He's walking around in the blur between the two. Um, it's just fantastic imagery isn't it it's it's so incredible the, the the detail and like you say, I think it's that probably that detail that helps you conjure up such a clear vision and everyone will have a different vision. It's because it's so it's got just the right level of detail you know it's not describing the the mundane stuff, it's got that turn of phrase that's that's it excites you to think about what he's talking about here, even if it doesn't particularly you know come together as like a coherent
0: through line yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the line about getting my head get blown off. That really is a line right from the movie because yeah. Gregory Peck's character is in this saloon, and we find out that there's a guy who wants to get revenge, and he's right across the street from the saloon and he he parks himself on a bed and he pokes this shotgun out the window and he tells his wife the minute the Ringo kid steps out that door, I'm blowing his head off. so I mean, yeah, now you're right. it's like we're we're jumping between the the memory this guy's having but he also, he seems to have placed himself in the movie that he's watching. And yeah. I love that. You're just like, and I, yeah. you know, this, this song was co-written uh by Sam Shepard and I don't know how much Sam Shepard, because, and we will talk about, it, there is the earlier version that Bob himself wrote. So I don't know how much of this, these additions are Sam Shepard's work. A lot of the settings are similar to Sam Shepard's plays. Uh, yeah. Like True West thinking. and things like that. Yeah and you know you could probably interchange
1: a lot of these lines with with something like uh Motel Chronicles that he wrote uh, Sam Shepard wrote as well and things like that it's, it it's a very similar Americana kind of that that other America isn't it that that sort of lost in between America um between this this old west that is is the the movie's about and 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 I guess the 80s when the song came out it's that kind of Sort of like a, it feels like a missing place that didn't quite keep up with the times, but also got left behind. Um, you know, left behind what went before it, but didn't quite keep up with with what came. So it, it, this song feels like it's in that nether zone of, of, of between Americas.
0: And I think that's a lot. That those are the America. That's the America that I think Bob sees. You know, when he's yeah. out touring and he's walking around and you know, he's on his bike or we see him jogging or whatever. Like that's, I think yeah. that's the, Bob doesn't live in the, in the world of nice hotels. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he stays in nice hotels, but you know what I mean? Like he doesn't just live in that world. I think he's. Well, you see it in his
1: artwork, don't you? You know, the, the mm-hmm. fairgrounds that he paints and the diners and all these kind of places that
0: it, it could be kind of anywhere, America any, any town, any time. Thanks for listening to this part of the episode. We hope you'll consider becoming an FM Plus subscriber to hear the full version of this and all of our shows. Sign up in Apple Podcasts or at fmpods.com.